Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of San Antonio, the show of helping friends out, moving things out of their storage units, family, and so much more with today's guest, the San Antonio legend himself, Mr. Javi Gutierrez, formerly of the Esquire, Brooklynite, Bexar, so many great San Antonio establishments. We'll learn a little bit more about how he started in this industry, what kind of guy he is, and some of the things he loves to drink and talk about. So, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Javi Gutierrez. I think JP and I had the same conversation. We're coming over here. We're talking about, you know, being able to, <laughs> you know, do things while you're camping, light fires, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as uh, as far as the team dynamic, um, you know, I'm here for hands. I'm yeah. here for help. Do you ever watch Walking Dead? Yes, I do. Which guy are you? Now, this is not like I never <laughs> asked. I have never asked this question. But you got Rick, like the born leader, yeah. kind of the brooding type that doesn't wash his hair. Right, right. Shit. But where do you kind of fall in? Oh, man. Just tell me you're not a Carl. No. <laughs> no, I don't think. <laughs> I think being, uh, being, you know, he's coveted in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, I feel that that's, uh, you know, but Carl does grow. He does. And he learns. And, you know, no, he wants to be a Carl, man. No, I mean, he's strong in his own right. He is. But he's sort of, uh, you know, he he's very emotional too, which is really cool. Yeah. He is dark and brooding. Much like that, you know, Rick in that yeah. case. Yeah. You know, I'm not really too caught up on uh, the new season. Don't even need to be. I'll yeah. tell you right now. It's where where do I fit in in The Walking Dead? Yeah. Because that's like how, so we got to move this house. Right. What do you find your role? You know what I mean? Like, are you Daryl or are you out there? Like, well, I'm going to wrangle everybody together and be the aggressive yeah. one. Well, Again, I've never asked this question. Yeah, I've I've never been on the receiving end of that. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> and you know, um, I see myself as a uh, the walker sometimes. You really, know, being hungry. Yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> hungry, hungry for things, you know, and just you just keep on, keep going relentlessly, pushing it's just that and, pursuit. Yeah. Oh wow, shit! Know? That's symbolic. It's 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 kind of fun being on the uh, other end of the role. Yeah, I guess the role reversal, or I don't even say you want to say the enemy mm-hmm. more so the majority. I mean, because what we we still don't know, you know, yeah. if there's a cure. I know. Yeah, this it's let me down. It's let me down a lot, especially this last season. All right, all right. So obviously, I got. It. Distracted, I went on a tangent, but you are, I've known you since the Brooklyn Night days when mm-hmm. you guys opened. I've talked to Jared, I've talked to Stefan, we were just talking about that. And you are a tried and true San Antonio guy. Did you grow up there? You know, I, I was born in San Antonio, yeah. um, in a uh, military family. Okay. And uh, 
I found my calling in hospitality at a very early age. You know, so you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, actually, I've got two younger brothers. Two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. So you're the oldest. Folks mm-hmm. still together? Um, no, actually, parents divorced. Um, Were you younger or just kind of? Yeah, adult. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, but they both did that. For me, when that kind of stuff happened, we moved. Did you stick in San Antonio though? No, like, not really. Um, between between my parents, my grandparents. Um, my grandparents live in town. Most okay. of my family lives here. Yeah. Um, my mother and father split at a young age. I sort of, uh, you know, wanted to explore a little bit. Um, moved to North Texas and kind of... Oh, where about? Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. Oh, area. killer. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not killer. Sorry, I take that back. I like Fort Worth, but Dallas still it's on the... Yeah. I don't know what to say about it. You know, you're talking about small townships. Yeah. Um, Greenville, Texas. Oh, Greenville. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spent some time, a little time in Denton. Uh, moved around a little bit and then found my way back to San Antonio. About how old did you say? You know, I'd probably say um, 13, 14 years old. Oh, shit. So you got to move kind of prime time. Yeah. Things are changing hormonally and all that. But you ended up making your way back to San Antonio. Oh, yeah. Uh, just in time for middle school, I guess, or starting into high school? Yeah, you know, uh, middle school. I want to yeah. say middle school was sort of like a, it was interesting kind of moving from one city to another and yeah. having one set of friends completely opposite from, you know, the friends that I made here. What if, if you could figure out kind of what differences you're talking with, what's the main difference there? Um, like Dallas kids in San Antonio. Yeah, you guys are tougher, absolutely. obviously, in San Antonio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Where did I move to? Uh, so moving from Greenville, let's talk about, you know, mostly Caucasian, mm-hmm. you know, uh, majority uh I guess everybody that was living there, um, my stepfather at the time, um, he worked uh, as uh, he worked with Rubbermaid. Okay. Um, my mother uh, still had you know strong family ties in San Antonio, so you know she's Hispanic. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of just the back and forth uh, with the friends, you know, it, it was a huge melting pot up there. I mean, I had friends from all walks of life, uh, you know, but most of them lived in the nice neighborhoods. Yeah. Their parents drove nicer cars. And, you know, we were middle class, you know, we, you know, went to the movies and cooked uh, home dinners at home. Yeah. And then that's sort of like when, boom, I was like, you know what, I actually enjoy this. This is really nice. If you want to call it entertaining or okay. if you want to call yeah. it uh, things of that sort. Was it, did you have a problem, or rather not a problem, but was it really difficult moving back to San Antonio, despite having uh, family and stuff? No. No. No, not at all. I think, it, you know, just uh, being at that young age and being able to you know, kind of uh, start over again. Yeah, just, that's a, yeah, you know, that's a great point. Yeah. So what kinds of stuff as you're kind of growing up or re-growing up in San Antonio, middle school and then into high school, were you a sports guy? Were you an English guy, music? What kinds of things were you doing? You know, it was sort of a mixture of different things. Yeah. I guess trying to discover exactly what you or even myself would do at that age. Sort of, you know, running into, you know, should I chase women or should right. I... <laughs> should I chase yeah. the girls or, you know, should I uh, play piano? Do I want to get into soccer? Uh, do I want to play basketball? You know, and yeah. sports never really did it for me. Even um, though you're 6'2", which we're talking about, and you never have blankets that cover your feet, apparently. Which yeah, is, yeah, and that's the thing, you know. Like, chronic disorder. Yeah. I was uh, pull my hair out. That happened. The, uh, the blankets never cover the feet. Toes <laughs> are always cold, you know. Is that another metaphor? Dude, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just not it, it things don't fully fulfill 
you know it's right. so close but it's just at the tip so would you say then all right so we, so we got this blend of things going on we did so did you dabble in sports did you dabble in music i did yeah i did um you know kind of sort of uh played piano picked up a guitar a couple yeah. of times um started did playing it, drums you, did you take to it uh you-, you know it's it kind of stuck for a while and then after after a while i guess with many things you know you kind of want to do something else or yeah. maybe one gets bored yeah of course well especially at that age right You're trying to mm-hmm. figure out what the fuck's going on but at least did you feel like you had because it's interesting a lot of people in texas um and this is not to generalize maybe just a lot of people that are younger maybe they're not as cultural yet but right. it sounds like you're trying to dip into sports music academics that did you have like a what i'd consider a very cultural upbringing where people your parents or your siblings or whatnot are like yeah let's learn more about the world let's learn more about art you know it was it was very interesting um my, I was my family um, in San Antonio, was, at, especially at the time, was very uh, you know uh, family oriented. Yeah, you know we all hung out together. There was parties all the time. Um, you know I had uncles and great uncles. Would, they would sit around the keg all day long and you know smoke cigarettes and drink beers and mm-hmm. you know uh, grandparents would have parties. My great grandparents would have parties. Wow. You know everybody every there's always a Dude, celebration connected to a larger that's crazy yeah it was always a celebration you know somebody's birthday came up or you know um quinceanera came up or you know if it was something that was uh worth celebrating you know so-and-so turned 22 you know <laughs> let's let's uh let's you know get a bunch of bottles or right. or you know whatever um so it was always just kind of uh you know hanging around hanging around family which was yeah. really cool so very familial which yeah. is a great thing. I think I missed that when I was growing up. I really do. Kind of getting back to it now. But you mentioned that hospitality for you is a bug you caught at an early age. Mm-hmm. Even as early. I, I imagine these parties with your family. And they're like, Javi, we need <laughs> we need cerveza. We need a, a drink. Like, Did you serve that role? Because I know a couple of the dudes that are in the industry that kind of did that as well. Yeah. You know, um, interesting. Because when you get to... I guess shoot fast forward a few years when I was actually able to work uh started in the fast food industry you know mm-hmm. pick up your first job you work uh you know McDonald's or Burger King or whatever mm-hmm. um it doesn't really quite doesn't really fill the void if you will you know <laughs> yeah. uh this is back when like a food network wasn't even food network it was like food right. tv oh, I remember that you know? Terrible, um, terrible lighting on those shows. Yeah, going back before that, you had public access, and you know there was, you know, shoot, who is are we talking about? Graham Care. Oh, Graham Care, dude. Yeah, yes. Graham Care, and uh, you know, uh, Martin Yan. Yeah. Yeah, Yan can cook with like the crazy aprons and stuff. So that you were watching that shit too. Yeah, dude, dude absolutely. I like me too. Yeah. That guy's. Cr- I love that guy. Yeah. It always made me hungry. He always, he always had this thing where he was like, you know. Uh, Breaking down chickens in like yeah. less than a minute, which is like super nuts. The dude's insane. Yeah. And he's nice. Mm-hmm. Well, seemingly nice. I don't know if he is or not. Looked like a nice guy. But th- that inspire you? Were yeah. you thinking about... Because so I'm trying to figure it out. Like what thing really took for you? Was it the food? Was Food. What yeah. about food was so uh, alluring to you? Yeah, you talk. Uh, we talk about, you know, spending time with family and kind of, uh, you know, finding your roots. Yeah. You know, I grew up... Uh, cooking a lot of meals, mm. um, watching my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my mother, um, 
my father, their parents, you know, yeah. kind of just cooking for the family. And it's 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 very uh, communal right to sit down and and uh, enjoy, you know, these things. Uh, interesting enough, you know, being in the industry for so long kind of falls by the wayside a little bit. You know, you don't you don't really get to see your friends and family that much, which is interesting for a lot of people. You know, years go by, yeah. months go by, et cetera. But I think starting off, you find what you want to do in life. And it, if it sticks, it sticks. But yeah. that for me, cooking was a huge thing. And I think I just fell in love with the restaurant industry, you know. I think it was all the stainless steel and, you know, sharp knives and <laughs> yeah. fire and et cetera, et cetera. Was your, was your mom or your dad or your stepdad in that industry at all? Or? No, not at all. But you maybe you saw it from kind of like a grassroots level and how it connected people and maybe then said, I, I like this. I want to do this. I want to expand on it. Absolutely. And then heading into fast food. Did you, are there any big takeaways for, I had, I actually regrettably never worked in fast food, but for you, if you had like a main takeaway from those years, what might it be? Um, I should have uh, listened more. I guess yeah. being like 16, 17 years old, yeah, sort of, uh, you know, taking a backseat to uh, authority. You, you kind of just, you know, you think you know, think you know everything. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, somebody hands you a handbook, you know, read this through and follow the rules. And you're just like, nah, I'm just here to just hang out. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe just put some burgers on the grill or something in the fryer. I don't know. Whatever. So that did that step turn into something a little more culinary forward, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. Um Moving forward from there, you know, kind of uh, moved into a local uh, chain that served, you know, pizza. Mm. Uh, everything was made fresh, you know. You walk in from walking into a refrigerator full of frozen items, um, moving into a walk-in that's full of fresh herbs and fresh vegetables and et cetera, et cetera. I'll never yeah. forget the first day that I actually walked into the walk-in and smelled, you know, fresh rosemary fresh basil and uh that kind of just really changed my life really um it's like a sensory enlightenment i guess exactly yeah but um, you but had i imagine you guys were making stuff from scratch as a family mm-hmm. right but you maybe just in terms of uh, transactional food and stuff you hadn't seen it done like that exactly right yeah. and actually that brings a good point when we talk about food network being the food channel that that actually I'll say something, but then I'm going to ask you, like, I think Food Network has been good for people being activated and kind of understanding food and fresh ingredients. Do you think that's been a good thing for food? People thinking about it in a different right. way, thinking about walk-ins with fresh herbs and such. It's changed. Yeah. I think just like many things, you know, the, it's the restaurant industry and bar industry is constantly evolving. And I think that uh, it's been a, it's been um I guess uh, the glamour for being the celebrity chef or, or you know, being the star bartender mm-hmm. or what have you sort of kind of changed a little bit for, for people. You know, it's it seems very easy, attainable for most anyone to kind of pick up a knife and, and do what those people do. But, right. you know, just like with any production, uh, there's many people behind the scenes, you know, that kind of. Uh, make, make that work happen, it, it makes right? it it makes you know that person so much better yeah the team that they have behind them is uh you know it's very detrimental to success i think do you want to be or 
have you considered yourself one of the star tenders? That, that kind of word, which I guess could be, yeah. you know, a compliment. I guess it could be a detriment. I don't know. Yeah. Do you consider yourself one of those guys? You know, I wouldn't say that uh, I would. Um, I've always I've always had the mentality of, you know, staying humble, uh, being kind. Yeah. Uh, you know, and most of all, being hospitable to the guests. You know, not necessarily calling them customers, but um, there was a time when the jigger was, you know, uh, part of my everyday life. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of changed uh, over the years. You know, my one of my first profession, uh, I was a cook. I did cook food for a living. I did make an hourly wage for a living, which is yeah. interesting. And not very many people know that. Uh, what, what kind of food were you making? You know, it was... Uh, it was easy. It was easy things, you know. Starting off as, uh, you know, a dishwasher, and, mm. you know, kind of working my way through the brigade system, and um, starting as a prep cook and prepping all day long, cutting onions and herbs and everything that you know basically would go into any dish that I was not touching. Yeah, you know, all the, everything that would go into those. Uh, uh, so there were much simpler items: sandwiches, you know, fried foods, pizzas. There's a small little chain called Easy's. Easy's. Yeah. Wait, we don't have them. There's the Easy Diner, but is that the same? Is it like Easy the word? Easy. The yeah, it's like a San Antonio thing. Really? Um, yeah, I, I'm not too sure if there's many around anymore. Yeah, I don't know if there is. I but thought it, there was probably a different spot here in Austin. But so you learned a lot from that. Yeah, and it was a, it was an interesting transition. Um, working, you know, those hours during the day, and then going home feeling really, really tired. About how old are we talking? Like late teens or early teens? Yeah, late teens, absolutely. Um, you know, old enough to work and, and being in that environment. And uh, sort of in my early 20s, I, I sort of uh, went into the more banquet style, HEB Central Market area, mm. um, prepared foods. You know, it, it sort of took from one end, uh, you know, what you would get sitting at home with your family to uh, glorifying, you know, food in a way that I've never seen before. You know, it's... it's Glorifying it's dis- it. Can you explain that? It's displayed um, for, you know, mass consumption. Yeah. You know, you've got many people pushing, uh, you know, their shopping carts around and sort of just, it's it's awe-inspiring kind of, I want to say, shopping for your prepared meal or right. salad or, you know, hey, I really like this couscous. It's awesome. There's tubs and tubs of it downstairs you know eat up yeah but um you know it's it's a it's sort of one of those things that you you move and and let's say that your passion evolves you know right looking on shelves and like oh i had no idea that this even existed you know there's uh we're going back into the conversation of cultural of culture you know yeah yeah um kind of being exposed to many different types of cuisine and and culture and then Lo and behold, there's an opportunity for, you know, me to move into the restaurant industry. Not so much as, uh, you know, in a grocery store, if you want to call it prepared foods for, right. you know, the general public. But um, were your, So were your folks, did they say, you know, you actually need to do the college thing. You need to not cook. You need to go get a business degree, be a doctor, a lawyer, et cetera, all that mm-hmm. rubbish often. But did they say that or were they saying, no, man, you, you need to pursue 
the things that you love. Yeah, I had a, I'd, I'd have to say I had a very uh, supportive family. Yeah, it was more so of uh, you know they didn't push me to do anything that I really wasn't dead set on doing. Right. Um, and they saw the fire in my eyes. They were like, "Okay, cool. This kid loves what he does." Yeah, you know? they knew it was genuine. That's like, always a real compelling argument. Oh yeah, it's like oh, you just want to fucking do this because you heard there's good money in it, yeah. right? That's almost actually more disingenuous a reason to go to college than to not go to college and do something that you really love. Mm-hmm. That's actually why I left. Uh, I left uh, working in the kitchen, mm-hmm. which was uh, it was a great experience, you know, because from that you kind of find a uh, you know uh, different skill set. Yeah, you know, you're multitasking. Um, you're working on your feet all day long. Right. Um, what most people would see is an eight to 10 hour day, you know, that turns into 12, 15, 16 hours. And I think at that point, that's when I was sort of like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. Is it taking its toll like on your body? Oh, absolutely. And, your and stuff? Yeah. You know, especially when you're old enough to drink and you start going out and having drinks the night before, mm-hmm. show up at work at like 7 a.m. and you have to be there all day long, which was sort of how I got into bartending. And that was... Uh, Interesting in itself. I was a huge whiskey fan. Yeah, you know, in my early age. Where did um, how did that doesn't happen for most people? To be right, honest, right? right? They find I mean, out I later. Know. It's, it's like, like, well, now I got a beard. All right, whiskey. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's yeah. talk about whiskey then. Yeah, uh, whiskey kind of just like opened the gate for me. I was just like, okay, cool. Like, um, you know, what kind of stuff is there? Uh, what other stuff is there? And then you know, we're looking into like aged spirits, and I was like, oh, okay, rum's a thing. So yeah. then you know, rum came into my life, and I was just like. What was the gateway spirit? I mean, and, and we t- we can talk brands. I mean, yeah. it's no problem. What, yeah. Was there a gateway spirit? You know, I, what I would say was probably the easiest and most accessible was uh, Jack Daniels. Yeah. Sure. You say Jack Daniels, and then, you know, for, for me, I think my grandma had a bottle uh, uh, of Bacardi, like, yeah. on call, like, every single every single party we were at. So. Nice. Those two kind of molded my young adulthood, which is... Yeah. Kind of interesting. It I sounds think. like rum is the thing, man. Rum is kind of like Dude. I finally got into Jethro Tull or no Steely Dan. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like where it's like a little more esoteric, even though it's incredibly, it's delicious. It's I think it's really really accessible, despite what people say. But you're yeah. getting it's not a real big surprise. Was it a big surprise for you rather that you had this deep interest in food and all the, the different genres of food, and then all of a sudden raw ingredients and juices and peels those become interesting now too because cocktails made in an honest way are no different right than making a fresh meal right yeah it's like a, a it's a recipe you're following a recipe yeah exactly um you know what you say is like you know what what makes what makes a great cook you know what makes a great bartender yeah. and it's it's uh I, f- I follow you know if it's if it's technique you know um you know is it is it poise is it arrogance or you know is it knowledge yeah it could be a mixture of all those things um but you say um if it if it is sort of uh i guess it opens the gate to many many different things Mm. um did i did i get tired of drinking one one or two things maybe when i was younger yeah like did i want to drink straight whiskey anymore probably not i was kind of interested in what other things are out there and that's when you know you pick up a book, yeah. and you're like, "What else is there?" Uh, Do you I, feel kind of? It, it feels like the access to information about cocktails and the history 
of cocktails is really good for us now in this oh, era, yeah. right? Yeah, it's it's available, and the thing is, is that uh, there's a lot of people that have made it available. Yeah, um, you know, and it's it's a great thing. I think when I was when I first picked up the book that I I think kind of just opened it all up for me. It was a bartender's black book, and then there was the um, what was the uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the other book, yeah. but you know we're we're sc- we're scouring through a ton of recipes, and they may be you know super shitty recipes, right? Who knows? But you know you're talking about shot recipes at the time, and uh, it's all I, comes from somewhere though. Yeah, like, even someone, if you don't like it, it's still something about yeah, like actually archiving the stuff that happened that people were putting together their yeah. recipes man yeah i think it was uh the other book that i picked up right after that was uh mr boston's uh, you know, uh cocktail book as well which was pretty interesting because yeah. then i was like oh shit old-fashioned manhattan what's that about and yeah so like is it safe to say that probably your minds these ideas are percolating the creativity is and you're looking to take oh, the yeah. next step creatively yeah i quit my uh i quit my job in the kitchen and uh, when I was working, I think it was after a night of heavy drinking, and I woke up a little. Most good decisions said, uh, are made at that point. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know what, man? Um, and it, it's sort of like one of those things when you're like a light bulb kind of just you know pops up over your head, and you're like, what the hell am I doing working all this, all these hours, and, right. and not getting paid for overtime and I'm okay. on my feet all day long, but, you know, like, I don't get to talk to anybody. I'm kind of just talking to these dudes all day long in the yeah. kitchen. What the hell? How am I supposed to grow like that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you find a, a great mentor, you know, and if, if it was any other restaurant, and I, I mean, you know, being young and trying to, you know, find a place to, uh, you know, start a career in a restaurant at that age, sort of like, you, I, I knew nothing, mm. absolutely nothing. Um, So then going into bartending, Quit my day job, finally decided that I was going to uh, take up bartending, and then uh, came up with some bucks. And there was sort of like a uh, a dawning point when you're like, okay, cool, like I'm gonna go get my TBC certification. Right, right. This is this is gonna be a thing. And so you know, you sit at one of those classes and you you listen get to all the rules. And, um, I walk out certified. It's like, all right, now here comes a job search. You know, and have everybody kind of like laugh in your face, like, "Oh, dude, you don't know shit." You're like super right. green, like. What what year are we talking? When you kind of um, came out of it and wanted to do the bartending piece? Shit, you know, this is probably 2003. Oh shit! So this is really, really early on. Yeah, this is like. It's nothing like it's as far as I know it of the chronology of San Antonio cocktail culture and history. Right. Shit's not happening yet. Right. And so you're there kind of looking for these things that now exist. I think it's pretty easy to find a gig where you can make cocktails with fresh juices and herbs. But but then what kind of gig did you end up landing? You know, um it was a it was I was working part time uh in a kitchen at a pool hall mm. and uh one of the barbacks got sick, so they asked me to help out. And um I think I was, you know, making one and ones and popping beers and stuff like that. And it was like during Spurs playoffs, like right. 2002, 2003. And it was just, just like, get through them, get through them quick. Right? Yeah. And it was, dude, it was exhilarating. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. You know, and then walking out at the end of the night, I must have probably worked maybe five hours, six yeah. hours and walked out with like 300 bucks. And I'm like, holy shit. And you still have some time to yourself. Yeah. Now what? Oh, 
dude, this has opened up a completely different door. And, yeah. You know, then that's when I think that I sort of uh, decided that I was going to try something else and uh, get back in the restaurant industry. I picked up a, a restaurant job as a bartender mm. at a local sushi joint. And um, sushi? Not. Yeah, sushi, sushi. Yeah. yeah. So I got thrown into the mix, you know, I had some friends that uh, um, kind of just helped me along. They were like, hey, dude, well, what can you do? And I'm I'm like, after the whole bar backing thing, I went to like bartending schools, like one of those places that like puts all like 1-800-BARTEN. Fun- yeah, it's like they put all the funky, uh, funky like paint <laughs> yeah. shit in like bottles and right. like, have fake garnishes. And then they like speed test you and like how to make all these drinks. Can you make? cosmopolitan and like a rob roy old-fashioned they give you like these scorecards and you pass or you don't but right. whatever i think i got job placement through that place at sushi sushi no shit yeah so it was like my first time in there and they were like dude it's- make make us uh you know a round of drinks and i was just like fresh off the boat dude yeah. he's like cool go for it i got hired the same day that's incredible i know so. did, did you did you know brian gonzalez brian lance gonzalez yeah yeah. yeah, I worked with him. Yeah, yeah. No shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's work, He's running the El Cholito group now. No way. The El Chile group, yeah. Holy I had shit. On, I've interviewed him. I've known him for years now. Oh, wow. That's I'm not sure if he remembers me, but he might. Oh, I'm he sure might. he remembers you. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't he remember you? Dude, I, man, there were so many people that worked. I'm, you know what? I'm pretty sure he does. It was sort of like there was a generation gap between when, I guess, there was... Opening servers that started there, bartenders, etc. I was yeah. like second gen, maybe. Yeah, that's a long. I mean, and I was just like, dude, I don't. I think they maybe had two stores at the time, three stores. Maybe. Now it's blown up. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So when did you? I imagine there was a next step. There seems to be probably quite a few. But that's you're getting your feet wet. Oh yeah. Working with probably some fresh ingredients there. Yeah. Um. Well, I was I was introduced to um, you know sake and and so wine. true and all that good stuff yeah they've got was, a great menu for that too. yeah man it's huge yeah it's huge um it sort of sort of just opened my eyes a little bit more and then i started getting super creative kind of like played like the acting bar manager role yeah they were kind of like in i don't infancy with like the bar program there and you know it was more so like we're not going to give you <laughs> oh it's funny because uh the owner um you know uh you know, they had the corporate office, and I approached them about it, and I was like, hey, you know what, I kind of want to take a, an, ex- an extra step in this, and, you know, is it possible to kind of get me to train, uh, right. you know, some of the bartenders to make some of these drinks, and they were like, he's like, you know, what makes you qualified to <laughs> to do this, and I'm like, well, I just, I, Can I you really, see my hat? I, I, I really, this hat fucking makes me everything. I really love what I do, Yeah, and, uh, you know, I I think that we need consistency in the restaurants, and he was just like, I'm not doing this until every single drink tastes the same at all the restaurants. Wow. But uh, I guess that that's was, one way to look at it, right? Yeah, so I'm like, hey, you know what? We can help with that. And I think there was some brand help, mm-hmm. maybe, at, the point, at that point. I think maybe, you know, Republic National kind of got in there and just, yeah. you know, revamped the whole menu for all the restaurants and kind of like sitting there and you're like okay now what um so after that i'd say maybe a year or so later kind of doing the whole rotating things like got into management you know after serving and mm-hmm. just sort of like went in as a bartender started taking tables took tables then went back into restaurant management pulls you um, back in pulling back in again it always does so kind of fast forwarding a little bit 
again, you know, we kind of met during the Brooklynite days. Mm-hmm. It seemed like what Jarrett was doing with Brooklynite and some other things, obviously, last word and everything, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it worked over there. But that was the start of something. What do you, how do you feel like about that era in your career? Because in terms of the road, like the map of cocktails and mixology, God forbid, yeah. in Texas, that bar was something that really did, it elevated the San Antonio scene. Now, that may be a naive perspective for me as an outsider, but that's how we kind of perceived it. Yeah. Um, I met Jared um, quite a few years back and uh, when I was working part-time with uh, Steve Mahoney at the Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when Jared was working with Partida. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, right. So um, I met him for the first time in there, and I was sort of just kind of playing around with infusions, kind of established a few, you know, off-menu drink specials. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of uh, an interesting transition because you know we met we clicked he was like hey dude i like you i was like hey cool i like you too what's up what's next was he trying to sing his songs he does that all the time it seems like no i feel like it was maybe uh he was a little bit uh, no no he might he might have tried to sing me some songs he definitely did touch me though that's so that's yeah an absolute of yeah. course yeah. um you know but all in good fun yeah well sure until like, yeah. someone gets hurt or they're heartbroken as so, the case for me so moving from that point i think uh i th- he invited me to work at the Esquire. And this is when Esquire first opened. Oh, got it, got it. Um, And he, uh, you know, pretty much staffed the place up, you know, and and I think I came on maybe two weeks, two weeks after they opened, their grand opening. Mm. Um, I I remember it very distinctly. It was during Fiesta and I walked in. I guess I just got hit and he was like, hey, you know what, man, come talk to me um, Monday. So we had a conversation, sat down. I told him exactly what I wanted to do um, and worked there. And it was it was great. Um, Did it vo- feel different? Did it feel like a different level for you at that yeah, point? Yeah, you know, and it was it was interesting. I think uh, it was just, um, you know, trial by fire. It was like, you know, we're going to put you in service well tonight and you're going right. to get your ass kicked. And, you know, they're, they're very basic classic cocktails, which is um, sort of where San Antonio was in the cocktail uh, drinking culture at the yeah. time. Um, in its infancy, you know, these drinks were basically, you know, the foundation for what we would see in the future. Right. Um, fast forward two years later, Jarrett opens up his um, famed Brooklynite. Mm-hmm. He gives me another call and he's like, hey, you know, I'm opening up the bar. You want to join me? I said, absolutely. So from Not that Not even point, a second thought. No, from that point forward, I was actually um, consulting at feast um yeah yeah the bar program at feast mm-hmm. at the time and that's when uh i was pulling double duty so i was working at feast and then i i remember uh, saturday night of the first weekend of brooklyn opening I, I left um my feast garb and put on a vest and tie and sort of uh jumped right in it was no like shit. 10 30 you know five six deep and Everybody's getting their ass kicked, and I was just like, "Oh my God, what are we doing? You know, this is this is crazy." And we had, you know, uh, best of friends and worst of enemies kind of just coming to show support at the same time, which was pretty interesting. Which know? is good if you can yeah. rally anybody. It was. It was. It a, mean something. Yeah, it was. A, it was a fun experience for for all to be had. And um, how long were you there, roughly? Well, from day one until uh, March of 2015. Oh wow! So yeah, relatively recently. It was about three years. That's crazy. Yeah. 
So why'd you transition on? You know, it was a, there comes a point, I guess, when everybody wants to spread their wings a little bit. Mm. Um, I was approached with an opportunity to consult for um, a restaurant, which is something new to me. Uh, and it was a kombucha restaurant. Okay. Um, alchemy, kombucha, and culture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from that point forward, it was sort of uh, sort of this um, this new thing for me. You know, how does kombucha work? Uh, what is kombucha, and how can we integrate it into drinks and um, fermentation? Yeah. Is some commonality, right? And it was it was sort of uh, it was sort of interesting to kind of run through you know the flavor profile. You know, and I didn't really quite understand it at the time, but I guess around that time, I was started to play with tea and cocktails mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, kind of got a little bit more creative uh, during my time at the Brooklyn Night. You know, sort of, Jarrett gave me the tools that I needed to uh, to succeed. And he was yeah. like, "Hey, dude, this is your bar program. You know, um, you know, just run everything by me. Make sure everything's solid, and we'll go from there." Um, Brooklyn Night. Then we went to Stay Golden, and his brother Jarrell and I opened up Stay Golden, and you know, we established a menu there and sort of established the clientele and last word came about and that yeah. was that was interesting um and then moving on to kombucha yeah um uh, something new for me and i, I that's was something that just totally it's almost bringing food back into it yeah in a way because kombucha you know you can get it at whole foods you can get it absolutely at central market and stuff and i, I kind of dabbled in it but i never actually you know established a cocktail with it and right then, so it's good uh, it's kind of interesting though so you've You've sharpened your teeth, mm. working prep, working as a cook. You have worked with, as far as San Antonio is concerned, concerned, and even the broader mixology industry, like some of the greatest minds, right? So you're working alongside them, kind of shifting a, to a consulting capacity with the kombucha stuff. And then you've got this other step, maybe it's a little bit in the future, but with Park Social, mm-hmm. just kind of the most recent chapter. And we're talking about it at dinner you guys have had folk, I guess, is the one. Multiple fires. Yeah, actually, um, early November we had a fire, um, and that was uh, it was really heartbreaking. Uh, we, um, as a restaurant group, yeah. sort of uh, decided that Almost Park was um, sort of just out to conspire against us, which is interesting. Um, you know, as beautiful and as uh, quaint as the neighborhood is, mm. we sort of found that. Maybe it wasn't our spot um, to to continue. Um, like some kind of this, these were fateful tragedies, yeah, and that absolutely, you know, it's it's um it's definitely kind of displaced quite a few of our staff, which is um, what. It, sorry, God, can you can you describe kind of? Because I'm trying to get a sense of maybe what the animosity was about. Mm. What it, where do you think it stemmed from? You know, it 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 works different. Um, as any township would, yeah. you know, in the middle of a city, which is, uh, it's kind of interesting. You've got different neighborhoods around the almost park area, mm-hmm. but, um, for me not having too much history with that area, except for, um, I served tables at the Italian restaurant that was there before, uh, folk was there. Okay. Same restaurant, uh, same build or building rather. Yeah. Same building. Wow. It was contemporary Italian. Um, Chao Lavanderia was the name of the place. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that was uh, owned by uh, Damien Wattel and, you know, Bistro Wattel. Mm-hmm. Um, at, the, at the time as well, he was, I think he still had Lafrit. Yeah, before he sold it. Um, but, you know, moving forward from, from that neighborhood, it was, sort of like, it was, it kind of grew into its own, you know. Mm. And at the time, it was, you know, very comfortable uh, Italian food right in the middle of a neighborhood, you know. Uh, there's condos right across the street. Right, right. It's residential, you know, for the most part. There's not really any small businesses in the area. But I think restaurants just in general for Almost Park um, seemed a, a, a little too challenging for a lot of people. Really? Um, like just they they want it to be easy they want it to be fast food they want it to be like a name brand is that yeah I mean you take a look at the menu you know get online you know uh, check out you know what kind of descriptors you would see on a menu you know some mm-hmm. people just don't get it you know right. uh, so maybe more adventurous eaters or even the gourmands you yeah. know uh, you can look over some certain things and say hey this sounds interesting let's try it um but winning over the general public is definitely very interesting. Um, my chef uh, is very talented. Uh, Luis Colon and Daniel Eisenhower are the owners of Folk. Mm-hmm. But bringing me onto the team, uh, actually, I've been with it. You know what? I've been with those guys a year. Wow. Uh, I joined. I joined their team a year ago. That's crazy. Wow. Dude, time flies. That's it crazy. does. We're almost, I mean, we're, what, we're like three days away from 2017? Yeah. Wow, man. You know how long it's going to take me to write checks correctly? <laughs> Probably a lot longer because I hate checks. Dude. But still, take me a long ass time. Yeah. It just flies by. And so you have these tragic fires. It seems like it's not meshing with the, the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There's no suspicion of people like ambushing or something. Oh, no, absolutely not. Okay. No. I think, I think uh, they've found some more hardships with the restaurant um, more than I have. Um, mm. But uh, so does that leave you displaced, like you said, some of the other staff is? Um, one way or the other, um, I think that you know, uh, we're on a hiatus right now. Yeah. Um, moving folk is a priority. Yeah. You know, but definitely staying busy is something that you know reigns true for everybody that's you know involved in in the tragedy. Right. Um. Nobody was injured though, were they? No, absolutely okay. not. No, right. thank God. Yeah. Uh. So this happened early morning hours, early November. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we suffered a small fire too. This was um, in one of our other dining spaces. God. So, Park Social, Last Man Standing, um, you know, and it's it's a great bar. David does a great job with the bar program. Mm. Um, I was hired as a general manager um, and uh, reshaping uh, the restaurant, front okay. of house, restructuring and retraining, and um, it's been a challenge. Definitely, but uh, you know, we we got some great uh nominations. Uh, Texas Monthly uh, nominated us for best burger in Texas. Oh, yeah, I saw that, which was how's the burger crazy good, yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. I mean, it's messy, but yeah. it's it's super delicious. Sometimes that makes it the best, yeah. Um, so that was one of the things we we're looking forward to for the holidays, you know. Um, yeah. once we pushed through the burger fame, it was really, really crazy. Um, you know, we worked tireless hours. Uh, I worked my servers overtime. Um, and, you know, they were happy to do so, happy to help. But, you know, it was, it was stressful. It was yeah. a blessing uh, for the restaurant to kind of put us on the map. And then um, we sort of had to bring the menu uh, items down a little bit because right. the only thing we could keep fresh was the burger. Mm-hmm. We had other food spoiling. And, 
You know, Crazy. people wouldn't order three quarters of the menu. They would right. just come in and ask for burgers. And it's sort of lost the identity for a second, but... Um, kind of back at it. Yeah, we we had a small break um, from that fame and, you know, hammered out a new menu, uh, kind of revamped the menu as well. And so then we're, since we're so close to 2017, and I'm, I'm really at a loss, and I've mentioned this before in other chats with people, but I don't know what the next thing is for you, man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, you love whiskey, we talk about that, but does that mean you become a whiskey branded bastard? Right. Do you want to open up your own spot? Do you want to, fuck, go, like, start a family and be a teacher? Where Where are you at, man? <laughs> where, are you, where are you going this next year, let's say? Yeah. Um. You know, I've got some, uh, not immediately, we really don't have a timeline when folk is going to reopen. Yeah. Um, you know, once we get insurance and attorneys involved it's a very messy road um i really i really am dedicated to um the folk team Mm. um you know those guys sought me out for a reason and you want to do they they fought what's that you want to do right by them oh absolutely they they fought tirelessly to get me on their side and it's i'm blessed to be by them you know I, i can't wait for the restaurant to reopen um but we do have another project in the works. I can't really no, yeah, um, say much right. about it now. And then um, also, um, I'll be consulting for a restaurant uh, from a local restaurateur in San Antonio who is moving to New Braunfels. Oh, great. Um, they're going to be doing a, a bourbon bar. Bourbon bar. Yeah. So Even bourbon people bar, in New Braunfels need bourbon. I think that's a universal thing. You know, and it's interesting... Um, We've spent enough time there, you know, you kind of see it as, you know, a party town or a family town, depending on what side of the road you're on. Uh, but, you know, as far as craft cocktails go, there's been some people that have sort of established um, or tried to establish a couple of different bars there. Yeah. But for the most part, you're looking at, you know, shot and beer bars. Yeah. You get done floating the river and you drink a Oh hell yeah! Whiskey and drink a beer. Hell yeah! But I wanted tiki. We did that like the summer, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, you know what? I really want this one. Like, like a rum punch or something." Dude, tiki all day, man. Yeah. yeah, even on the well, especially on the river. Yep. But so, when are you guys gonna think you'd be opening that spot? You know, um, that's the most cliched question I've yeah. that, man. But there's just curious because uh, then I have a reason to go down to New Braunfels more. Yeah, I've got a I've got a meeting with a gentleman uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, actually, next week. Sorry. Um, we're talking about early week. Um, so I have some more details after we kind of sit down in powwow, but for the most part, we're looking at um, a Texas forward menu, um, you know, that showcases uh, local produce, yeah. local proteins, and um, we're going to be doing primarily bourbon. I'd like to source locally. Yeah. They find some nice Texas bourbons to go in there, you know, but. Uh, I think it'd be a nice marriage, obviously, in Texas flavors. Absolutely. Texas bourbons. Um, local beer. Kind of elevating the cocktails just a little bit, but making it, um, you know, affordable to uh, diners yeah. and uh, customers that want to come in and spend a little money and have a great time. The guest experience is uh, is definitely going to be a themed restaurant. Yeah. Uh, so when you so you looking past this stuff, and maybe it's not 2017. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, JP's sitting here looking at me. He's got a new opportunity. He's I mean, things look so great for everybody, and things mm-hmm. are looking optimistic. Are you going to open a spot? Like, is that what is that on your radar? Because I, 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 I imagine building such a fucking toolkit of talents like you have. Where do, what is that ultimately 
amount to. Yeah. I've been asked this question a lot and yeah. it's whether or not I'm going to open. It's the beard, I think. Yeah. You, just you know what? So it's a new thing. The beard's new? Yeah. It's a new Damn. thing. That mustache is not so bad either. It's kind of Fu manchu Yeah, it's very Fu Manchu. It's like you couldn't grow hair on the side. It's yeah. just the it just, it just goes it just goes down, it kinda of curls underneath. You're my like, bottom I'll just lips. pull the hair. It's a comb yeah. it's a mustache comb over. Yeah. That's what it is. You're pulling over. But I'm sure people would ask you that because they think maybe maybe it's time for that. Yeah. What do you think? You know, um I've sat I've sat and I thought about it for a while. Um I haven't picked up a jigger in quite some time. Yeah. It's been pretty interesting. Uh minus, you know, special events and private events and whatnot. Yeah. Um uh, that's not to say that I'm not going to ever do it again, but there's going to be a time. And I think that uh, maybe looking into my own spot, um, there's been some interest, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, from both ends, you know, from, you know, friends and colleagues alike. I like that. Yeah. Because it's like, a, it's almost, it's ellipses, right? Yeah. Maybe I'll come back to it. Maybe. Dot, dot, dot. It's good, man. Well, Javi, thanks so much for chatting with me. It was great moving. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was great, but it was fun working with you moving this fucking storage unit. Dude, today. that was that was so fun, man. I get to hang out with uh, you know, some good friends. Yeah, drink some good scotch, and uh, not so bad. Yeah, could be worse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll see you in San Antonio Cocktail Conference here in just a few weeks, mate. Yeah, looking forward to it. And Welcome. thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. We'll drink some whiskey. Thanks, Javi. Uh, thank you. There we have it, Mr. Javi Gutierrez. What do you guys think? One of the founding forefathers, if you will, of the San Antonio cocktail scene. Huge interest and devotion to his family, to the industry, the community, and using his hands to get things done. He is a team player, as we all experienced, moving massive amounts of stuff out of JP's storage facility. I think we're going to have to revisit it this year and do it yet again. Let's make it a birthday and anniversary kind of thing, guys. So... I hope you guys enjoyed that chat with him. It was great to sit down at the distillery with Javi and learn more about this really amazing guy and how nice he is. And I can't wait to visit the new establishment out there in New Braunfels. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how stressed and or excited you might be about turning 38 or if you're thinking, you know, I never gave Monk a first thought when I was looking at Amazon Prime the other day, but now I am and now I'm binging. Please keep dancing.